Well, here we are on Wednesday night. Uh, this week, I believe, we have been challenged. I know that I've been challenged in uh, my life and my family, my walk with the Lord. And I hope that all of us will take these challenges and not just line them up with all the other challenges, but we'll take them to heart. And we'll see how God can use His Word and the challenges from His messenger to make our lives count for the sake of the kingdom of God. I know there's not a single person in here that wants to get to the end of their life and say, you know, I lived a good life, but my life didn't count kingdom of God. And so tonight we're going to be challenged again. We're going to be challenged by God's messenger who uses God's word as that uh, instrument of change and challenge. And uh, I appreciate so much uh, Pastor Brian coming and, and being with us. Uh, it's a long haul back to Jefferson. He shared with me the, tonight that uh, I was sharing with him. I said, you know, we have ice cream afterwards, so uh, you're going to have to stay. It's, it's, it's just good. And uh, he said, well, I, I have to be at the church at 6 o'clock in the morning. Um, so I know he has sacrificed to come and be with us. Uh, and we have just been blessed. And, uh, and so I'm going to ask him to come now and share God's word with us. Well, good evening. It is uh, great to be back with you, and I want to say to you, like I did last night, you came back. Thank you very much. That's always encouraging to preacher when you do that. And uh, I have, uh, I've had a wonderful time. Your, uh, your hospitality, your uh, friendliness is excellent, and I have been uh, greatly blessed by that. So thank you very, very much. Uh, someone asked a while ago, why did I bring these two guys? Um, well, Roger was here last night. Roger, he's the big, tall one. Ugly one. Uh, and then Lamar, uh, if you were here a few weeks ago, Lamar was the Gideon speaker. And uh, he is, uh, these two men I dearly, dearly love to aggravate. And uh, they're, they're here with us tonight. I really do love these men. And uh, what an honor it is they came with me. Hey, I want to invite you to take your Bible and turn with me to Matthew chapter 18. Matthew chapter 18. And uh, we have, uh, as you have noted, we've talked about family matters, and uh, really some, what I've shared, if you can go outside of the family, and uh, tonight's message is going to be just like that as well, but I will tell you that if this is absent in the home, it won't take too long for others to notice it, but when it is present in the home, it is going to be, that home will be like a sweet haven of peace where people will just be drawn to it. So really the question may come, how is our home? What does our home look like? Does it draw? Does it appeal to others? Or is it something that may even repel others? Well, what is it we need to talk about tonight that, uh, that really I believe is of utmost importance? Not only for the family at home, but even for the church family. And even for those that are not here yet, this is desperately needed. I want to talk to you this evening about the subject of forgiveness. 
forgiveness. Just as it's a pretty sensitive subject today, so it was in Jesus' day. And in fact, this passage that we're about to read here in a moment, we find Peter asking a question that no doubt is a very legitimate question. And we can also conclude that by the way he asked the question, when it came to forgiveness, he's looking for a limit. He wants to know how far it is that he needs to go before he can say, uh, no further. I have forgiven you as much as I need to forgive you. We'll see that. But more than that, we're going to see Jesus' response that no doubt rattled Peter's cage. And there's a really good chance that the way Jesus would respond to Peter has also been rattling cages all throughout the age. And so what we're going to see this evening is what Jesus would, would respond in this area of forgiveness. So stand with me, please, and honor the reading of God's Word. Matthew chapter 18, we'll begin reading in verse 21. Peter came to Jesus and said, Lord, how often shall my brother sin against me and I forgive him? Notice his answer. He goes ahead and gives the answer. Up to seven times. Jesus said to him, I do not say to you up to seven times, but up to 70 times seven. For all you Georgia fans, that's 490. All right, I'm still out. Therefore, verse 23, uh, now you got to forgive me. All right, anyway. Uh, Therefore, the kingdom of heaven is like a certain king who wanted to settle accounts with his servants. And when he had begun to settle accounts, one was brought to him who owed him 10,000 talents. But as he was not able to pay, his master commanded that he be sold along with his wife and children, all that he had, and that payment be made. The servant, therefore, fell down before the king, saying, Master, have patience with me, and I will pay you all. And then the master of that servant was moved with compassion. Notice what he would do. Moved with compassion, released him, forgave him the debt. But that servant went out and found one of his fellow servants who owed him a hundred denarii. And he laid hands on him, took him by the throat, saying, Pay me what you owe. And so his fellow servant fell down at his feet and begged him, saying, Have patience with me, and I'll pay you all. And he would not, but went and threw him into prison till he should pay the debt. So when his fellow servants saw what had been done, they were very grieved, very grieved, and came and told their master all that had been done. Then his master, after he had called him, said to him, You wicked servant, I forgave you all that debt because you begged me. Should you not also have had compassion on your fellow servant, just as I had pity on you? And his master was angry, delivered him to the torturers until he should pay all that was due him. So, here's the point. Jesus said in verse 35, So, my heavenly Father also will do to you, each of you, if each of you from his heart does not forgive his brother his trespasses. Lord, what we oftentimes may attempt to excuse... Or simply reason out and say, no, forgiveness doesn't apply here. I pray in Jesus' name that tonight your Holy Spirit will speak incredibly clear to every precious heart and soul. May we realize, Lord, the incredible freedom that comes with forgiveness. May we also realize the incredible bondage that comes with unforgiveness. And may we never be content to live in bondage. May we always desire, yearn, and commit to live in freedom that comes with forgiveness. Lord, I am 100% convinced you want to do a specific work 
in every heart in this room this evening. I beg in Jesus' name that every heart, every home, and this church family will not only be challenged, but how I pray, we will certainly put into practice these words tonight and see the freedom that comes when we forgive. Speak, Lord. We need a word from you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. Before we get into the heart of the heart of the message here, I want to I look at a, the question that Peter asked that really provided the point of the parable. Now, as I mentioned a moment ago, Peter, when he asked the question, how many times should we forgive? He goes ahead and gives his answer up to seven times. You need to understand that he thought he was being incredibly gracious. You see, the teaching of the rabbis in that day was this. You would forgive up to three times. So think about it. Here's Peter. Peter has not only doubled it, but he added one more to the forgiveness factor. And so don't you know that in Peter's mind, he is convinced that he has gone well above and beyond what he thought was legitimate. And he knows that now Jesus is about to give him an attaboy. But when Jesus responds to him, we see that Peter understands something. He was only 483 times short of where Jesus is going to take him. He missed it completely. But we're, here's, what, oh, here's what I want you to understand about that number, 490. 490. Jesus never intended for us to keep count. You see, but what Jesus meant here is as long as it is needed and sought, we are never to come to the point of refusing forgiveness when sincerely asked. So with that thought in mind, with Jesus' answer, let's move to the parable because I want to show you some things out of this parable. First of all, I want you to notice what I call the compassionate king. A compassionate king. He, we, we see, first of all, his understandable action. We see as Jesus begins to lay out this parable, he says there came a time when the king would do a very understandable action. He called in accounts. He's going to call them in. And so as he begins to look over his books, he sees that there are some that owed him, owed him some money, and so he calls them forward. And so as the king begins to call these forward, there is one that comes to him who literally owed him 10,000 talents. 10,000 talents. And so I want you to see a couple things about this amount of money that Jesus describes here. Do you know how much a talent is? It is a huge amount of money. So let me try to give it to you like this. Nelson's Bible Commentary it tells it like this. A talent is not a talent like an ability. A talent was a measure of money. It was accumulated to be 6,000 denarii. Do you know what a denarii is or the singular a denarius? It was called the, the amount of a poor man's wage for a day's work. The amount of a poor man's wage for a day's work. So here's the, here it is. This man owed 10,000 of 6,000 days of a poor man's wage. That's 60 million days wages. Y'all, I can't fathom that. And in fact, that's more like 164,000 years of wages at the rate of a poor man. You may say, well, I'm blessed. Think about it, minimum wage. You may say, I'm blessed. I make double the minimum wage. Great, you've knocked down the, you know, the amount that you would pay back to 82,000 years. You'll still be young when that happens, right? Amazing, this amount of money. Here's another way to look at this amount. Josephus would record that the annual revenue of Galilee, that region, was every year was around 300 talents. 
this man, this one man alone, owed 33 and a third times that amount. Have I got your attention? Phenomenal, this amount. I believe that was Jesus' goal as well, to get the attention of the people. He wanted the attention of the listeners because he wanted them to see something about the, the compassionate king, almighty God. That's who this king in this parable represents. So Jesus has pretty well convinced his listeners that this man will never be able to repay the debt that he owes, but we see something else. Not only do we, do we see a huge debt, but we also see in these verses here what I call a hopeful debtor. A hopeful debtor. In fact, it's almost to the point of being comical. Think about it. Here is this man probably brought to the king against his will. And as he's before the king, here he is. He begins to beg him. As he says, I don't have the money. I, I don't have 60 million days wages to pay, back, pay you back for what I owe you. I don't have that. And so the king begins to say, well, the sentence will be this. I'm not only going to throw you into prison, but I'm also going to put your, your family into prison. And we're going to sell everything you've got. And we're going to just go from there. But here's this debtor who comes to him, and he simply says, give me a little more time. I'm just, I, my imagination runs away with me sometimes. Can you imagine if this guy went to the king and said, hey, king, please give me a little more time. I've got 20 million days wages. I'm only 40 million days wages away. I think I can do it. It was not going to happen. In fact, what, what the king realized was incredibly true. There was no way this subject would ever be able to pay back what he owed. Listen to me. There was no way. It was an impossibility. So here's what I want to try to do. Before we go any further, I, I, I do my best. I don't want to leave anything hanging out there. I want to try to connect some dots here for us. The dots are these. We are this debtor. You and I, we're represented by this debtor right here. We have a huge debt that we owe the king of kings. And there is no possible way that we could ever repay him. The cost is humanly impossible and humanly inconceivable. There's no way that we can pay it back. We need a miracle. You know what we need? We need grace if we're going to survive. If not, we're sunk. We're truly beggars before the king. We're the debtor. The king, God Almighty. The debtor, that's us. But notice what takes place next here in this text. This is what I call his unbelievable act. The king's unbelievable act. Notice what happens here. Jesus states that the king was moved with compassion. Notice what it says there in verse 27. He was, he was moved with compassion. We may say, wow, that's pretty nice. That's pretty incredible. Notice what else he did. He released him. As far as I know, it's really difficult to try to pay back a debt if you're in prison. You're not going to have a job. But notice what else he would do. He also forgave the debt. Think about it. Did you get it here? It was something that, that he would just let his, his, this man or his family go back and not live in prison for the rest of their days. It was something that that would take place. But the king went a huge step further. He completely forgave the man the debt. He completely forgave him. Imagine this king, this man, this debtor, carried before the king. But as the king releases him of his debt, 
He walks away from the king, scot-free, and not with a thought or a concern or a worry. Boy, I've got to get, I've got to, get to work to pay back this debt. But he is scot-free. He owes the king nothing. He is completely set free, totally free, totally forgiven of the debt. You know what he got? This debtor got a new beginning. He got a brand new beginning. Can I, can I just say this again? The debtor, do you know what he did not get in this text? He did not get justice. He did not get justice. What he received was grace in superabundant fashion. This is what I would call one blessed man. So believer, believer, I'm talking to believer this evening. Do you see here the correlation between this man, what this man would experience, and what you and I experience, believer, because through the Lord Jesus Christ? He received grace. We received much grace. You and I have received that same thing. You were not dealt with. You were not dealt with as you deserve. But because of the unbelievable act of our God giving up His Son to pay our debt, our debt, your debt and mine, He's able to forgive us of our sin and to give us a completely brand new beginning. That should cause every one of us to break out into a hallelujah chorus because we've been forgiven much. That's what Paul said in Romans 5 as well. We've been forgiven much. But now comes the test. Now comes the test of this forgiven debtor. Here's the question. Did he really understand what he received from the king? Well, we read the story a moment ago. It's pretty obvious he didn't, but let's, let's walk through it and break it down. So we, we see, first of all, a compassionate king. Here we see a careless servant. A careless servant. Notice a couple of key points here. In fact, they're the key point, they're the same points I mentioned to you a moment ago. Notice the understandable action of the servant. You know what? He had loaned out money. And so just like the king who called the account, here is this, this servant who had loaned out money, and so he begins to call the account. He begins to call the account. Remember this. He goes and finds one who owes him a hundred days' wages. How much is how much was it that he owed? 60 million days wages. 60 million 100. That's nothing. That's nothing when compared to the other. But I want you to realize that he was doing what the king was doing. He was simply settling, settling up. That's understandable. But this is where it gets very different very quickly. Just as the king had an unbelievable act, incredibly gracious, we also see where this servant also has an unbelievable act. Not gracious at all. Notice what takes place here. Then Jesus gives us the, gives us the, the, the scene here. We, we can imagine it taking place. Here is this forgiven servant. He goes to this man who owes him money, and he grabs him by the throat, and he demands that he pays up. Isn't that hard to believe? He just left the presence of the king. We just left the church house. We've been forgiven. And we find somebody who's wronged us. He leaves the presence of the king. He grabs him by the throat. And he demands that he pays up. But isn't it interesting here that the one who owed him 100 days wages said the very same thing that he had said just before to the king. The very same plea. But here, this servant refused to be moved by it. Instead, what does he do? He throws him into prison until the debt is settled. Isn't that unbelievable? I mean, you sit here and you just read that and you begin to scratch your head and say, no way. Say it isn't so. I, I can't believe this. In fact, we're not the only ones who would think that. 
Jesus would say that there were fellow servants that were watching. Can I just remind you, believer, there are people watching you. When you tell them that you're a Christian, by the way, never be ashamed. I am not ashamed of the gospel, Paul would say. Never be ashamed. But when they know that you're a Christian, lost people are lost, but usually they're not dumb. They know that there's some aspect of this forgiveness thing in there. But when they see us supposedly forgiven by the Lord and then going out and treating others like we'll never forgive them, they're scratching their head just like these servants here saying, wait just a minute. There's something that's the problem here. And so others are looking and notice how the fellow servants responded. The Bible tells us that they were greatly, they were very grieved. That literally means to be greatly distressed. They were grieved and saddened to the point of great distress. I mean, this is something they're going to lose sleep over. This is something that would just deeply bother them. And so what do they do? Jesus says they reported it to the king. I wonder, is there anyone here who's been careless with forgiveness that, that, has, been, that has been given to you by the king of kings? In our home, in our church, or with others around us. Remember, others are watching. But more than that, remember this. The king is watching. The king is watching. And so what Jesus does is that he takes this servant back before the king. And as we look at what the king and this, what the king would say to this man, I want to show you, in regards to forgiveness, three very important principles. Some crucial principles. Here they are. First of all, we need to understand that forgiveness is understood not so much when you receive it, but when you give it. Not so much when you receive it, but when you give it. You want to show that you've been forgiven? You will forgive. You'll forgive. So this king, as we know how Jesus, Jesus tells the parable here, he's obviously and justifiably very upset with his servant. In fact, he uses incredibly strong words now as he talks to this servant. You know what he called him? Wicked. Wicked. You know what that word is used for and what it was reserved for? One other one. One other in Scripture. That's the word reserved for the devil. If we're going to describe the devil, we're going to call him wicked. Here is this king looking at this servant who has received incredible forgiveness, but now all they can say about him is this. He's wicked because he refused to forgive. He refused to forgive. In fact, Notice what the king is going to do. The king is not going to respond based on emotion. He's not just flying off the handle. He responds, and he calls them that, based on facts. Notice how the king responds to the servant. He said, I forgave you your huge debt because you begged me. But you wouldn't have compassion on one of your peers just like I had on you? So the servant, he shows by his actions that he did not understand the great blessing of forgiveness, of being forgiven, as well as forgiving. So here's, the, here's what this servant does. Now listen carefully. This servant revealed two facts that's still true of most people today. Here they are. First of all, we think we deserve to be forgiven. We really do. We really think we deserve to be forgiven. You see, this servant's refusal to forgive his fellow servant communicated that he thought what the king did, it was fair, it was reasonable, it was legitimate. Hey, here's the word for our society today, for the 21st century. Perhaps he even felt he was entitled to the king's forgiveness. To think that we deserve to be forgiven, listen to me. Here's what it really means. We don't understand grace, 
we certainly don't understand mercy. We've missed the point. Not only is the general thought that we think we deserve to be forgiven, but also, here's a second one. We don't think others deserve to be forgiven when they wrong us. That's exactly what he did. That's exactly what he did. How, how much we may cost others isn't nearly as big a concern as others and what they may cost us. And that's obviously the case here. But again, it shows us that the servant did not get the principle. This conveys the mindset of the typical person today. Let me give you a couple of examples. If for some reason we lie to somebody, we may go back and say, I'm, I'm sorry, but all underlining that is this. We hope that they'll understand why we did what we did. We're going to justify our action. But you let somebody lie to us, and even if they come back and say they're sorry, the only thing we can think of is this. They lied to me. I'll never forget the fact they lied to me. Something happens in the home. There's a need that goes unmet in the home. Maybe there's a need that may go unmet in your life. And you begin to think, uh, or rather, it's, there's a need in, in the home that, that goes unmet because you didn't meet it. And the thought may be, I'll tell you why I couldn't meet it because of this. And we begin to excuse it. But let a need go unmet in our life. And all that we can come up with is that they're selfish and they don't, want to care, they don't really care about me. We refuse to forgive. But here's the key. You want to show you understand forgiveness? Do you want to show that you understand that you've been forgiven of much, very much? You'll do that. You'll understand, you'll show that you understand that you that when you when you give forgiveness to somebody that is wrong to you. Can I say that one more time? I messed that all up. You will show that you understand forgiveness when you give forgiveness to somebody that's wrong to you. You see, when you realize that you don't deserve to be forgiven of what you've done, yet you were forgiven, then there's going to be a greater willingness on our part to forgive those that have wronged us. But preacher, aren't there limits? Aren't there limits? Remember, 490, 490, right? Don't look for a rule. Don't look for an amount. Rather, you need to look at what that you were forgiven. Look at where you were forgiven. And then live and give in that forgiveness in that light of how much we've been forgiven. I'll, I'll speak more about that in a moment. But here's another principle. Here's another principle. First, forgiveness is understood not so much when we, uh, when we receive it, but when we give it. Here's another principle. Forgiveness, though costly, doesn't free the debtor as much as it frees you. Now, let me bring out a point again here from the king. Think about this. At the beginning of this parable, the king forgave that 60 million days wages. He forgave the annual revenue for 33 and a third years off of one man. He forgave it. Listen to me. For him to do that, there was a huge cost involved. Do you understand that? Do you understand that? There was a huge cost involved. It cost the king big time to do that. We, we can't really begin to conceive that amount that was forgiven there. But here's the thing. The king was willing to do so, and he was freed by it. That servant was. So let's go ahead and get something out here about forgiveness. You may say, well, preacher, man, you don't understand. You don't understand. I've been wronged. I've been hurt. I've been wounded. I've been taken advantage of. 
when you forgive, you need to understand something. It's not going to be like the Hallmark movies. It's not going to be like the chick flicks where at the end of the movie, everything works out fine. They all ride off into the sunset and everything just could not be better. Quit watching those movies. That ain't life. It is amusement. You know what amuse means? Muse. Uh, to, uh, to think. A. To not. To not think. That's what we're doing when we watch that amusement. We're not thinking. But we begin to put it in our life and we think, well, that's must, that's, that must be what forgiveness, real forgiveness looks like. No, it's not. When you determine that you're going to forgive, I'm telling you, it will cost you. It'll cost you. You, when you say, I choose to forgive, that means that you're going to let go, you're going to release, and it's going to cost you big time to do that. Listen to me. Forgiveness always comes at a cost. How do we know that? Look at salvation. Look at salvation. Free on our end. But for God the Father to give salvation, it cost him his son. It cost him his son. That's the forgiveness that we have. That was the cost of our, of our sin being forgiven, the Son of God. For some in here, for some in here, forgiveness needs to come in an area. That may be an area like this. Thoughts that you've had regarding the past. Maybe you think, you know what, preacher? Man, the way I, the way I grew up, what mama, dad, what mama did to me, what dad did to me, what my brother did to me, what my cousin did to me, all these things, all and on it may go. But we may begin to think, in, in this area, I need to forgive. You really do. For others, it could be how you were treated on the job, and you're thinking, man, I was done wrong. I was done dirty. You may have been. You may have been. For some, it could be in the area of letting go of words that you said on a regular basis because you just wouldn't let them go for fear that the offending party may go on without punishment. Jesus is saying this. It's time to forgive. It's time to forgive. I, uh, I have grown to love Matthew West. He, he's a contemporary Christian singer. I don't know if you've heard of him. don't know if you've heard of song. But I was really gripped by a song that he sung entitled Forgiveness. I want to read some of these words to you. He puts it very well. It goes like this. It's the hardest thing to give away. And the last thing on your mind today, it always goes to those who don't deserve. It's the opposite of how you feel. When the pain they caused is just too real, it takes everything you have to say the word, forgiveness. It flies in the face of all our pride. Boy, does it. It moves away the mad inside. It's always anger's own worst enemy. Even when the jury and the judge say you got a right to hold a grudge, it's the whisper in your ear saying, set it free. Forgiveness. Here's the clincher. It'll clear the bitterness away. It can even set a prisoner free. There is no end to what his power can do. So let it go and be amazed by what you see through eyes of grace. The prisoner that it really frees is you. Forgiveness. Forgiveness. Forgiveness, dear offended and hurt one. Forgiveness will set you free. It may be more than just difficult to try to take that and say, okay, I'm thinking about it. But maybe there's somebody here thinking, I'm not going there. Don't expect me to do that with what happened 
to me. Before you go there, there's one more principle I want you to see. Unforgiveness costs much more than forgiveness. Did you see what happened when this servant came back before the king again? By the way, I'm so glad Jesus said this is not me. You'd run me out of town or country or out of the boonies on a rail. Jesus said this. The king, the king that had forgiven him the debt, now he says to him, I will deliver you to the tormentors until you will pay all that's due the king. Tormentors, not executioners, tormentors. Those that would inflict what the king would determine was just punishment for the servant's refusal to forgive. Here's something interesting. When commentator I read suggested that that word that's used there for torment, and you see it right there, the word used for torment, it could also be translated sickness or adverse circumstances. Now I want you to listen to me. Don't take me out of context. I did not say that all sickness or all adverse circumstances are a result of unforgiveness. What I will suggest to you though is there are some things that we may experience in life that we did not have to experience if we had only forgiven I'll guarantee you we could line up medical doctors from here to Jefferson, Georgia that would say, that's true. Medication I give, treatments that may need to be forgiven, the real issue is not physical. The real issue is spiritual. Might that be the case for you? Here's what I want you to understand. In our mind, we begin to think and reason, I just can't forgive, I just can't forgive. You need to understand that unforgiveness will cost you way more than forgiveness. It will every time. Are you still not willing to forgive? Then you need to understand this as well. The Bible says that not only is there loss here, but the Bible also teaches that there will be lost believer at the judgment seat of Christ because we refused to forgive. I said it a moment ago. Let me come back to it. You've been hurt. You've been done wrong. Something happened that is just wrong. It's wrong. I'll grant you that. I'm not here to, to try to lessen what took place. I'm not here to say that it's not important. I'm not saying any of it. Please understand my heart here. I know it was bad. But what you need to know, believe it or not, believe it or not, regardless of what's been done against you, is this, believer, you were forgiven far more than what you will need to forgive anybody who's done wrong to you. Do you realize that? Well, I don't know about that. We don't understand the great cost of sin. We begin to think it's legitimate. Everybody else does it. What's the big problem? No. The Bible says that sin is a holy affront against a holy God. Like it was said about, the, about this children's club. Where do they begin? Sin. It's awful. It's awful. It put Jesus on the cross. It's awful. But then more than that, to live in that prison of unforgiveness, you know what else it will do? It will ruin your future. It will ruin your future. 
You see, you're going to pay dearly for the luxury of carrying a grudge. Got a question for you. Is unforgiveness working? Is unforgiveness working? Well, preacher, I'll tell you what. I'll work out a deal with you. Don't leave me out of the deal stuff. But here's what I'll be preaching. If they come to me, I'll forgive them. Let me respond to that. That's not how it works. Let me give you an example. Jesus on the cross. Do you know what one of his first sayings was? Help me out here. Father, help. what did he say? Forgive them. The best I can tell is I read the accounts of that crucifixion in all four Gospels. Never did I see one person in that crowd come up and say, Jesus, boy, did we really mess this up. You don't deserve to be there. Would you, would you, I'm sorry. We don't read that. You know what they did? They came by wagging their heads. They came by hurling insults, spitting upon him. And they're basically just determined that he is the biggest loser that, that was in Jerusalem on that day. But what did Jesus say and what did he do with the sin of the world on him? Father, forgive them. Because they don't know what they're doing. They don't know what they're doing. My challenge to you is this. Regardless of whether they ever come to you or not, forgiveness, forgiveness offended one begins in your heart, not theirs. Not theirs. So what's going to happen? What needs to happen? You know, whenever, whenever I preach on forgiveness, it's a tough message. Whenever I preach on forgiveness, I, look, I, want, I want to add in something else quickly. There are some here you, you need to forgive. But there's a many group here. You need to seek forgiveness. You need to seek forgiveness. You, you may have excused it. You may have said, it was two weeks ago. It's been 20 years ago. They all got to get up. No, no, none of that. When we understand the cost, you need to be willing as well to go seek that person and to say, I'm asking you to forgive me for. Call it, and then don't put one excuse on it whatsoever. Well, what if they won't accept my forgiveness? That's not your responsibility. Your responsibility, believer, as God has confronted you, is to go to them and say, I need to do this. I am sorry. Preacher, you ever had that happen before? Yeah. I've had to go to people and apologize and say, I'm sorry. What I did was wrong. I, uh, I was thinking about this, but I hadn't thought about this in years. Why don't bring this up in my head? I remember, as a pastor, I remember just in one of those occasions, a young man had given his heart to the Lord, and, and uh, in our church, man, we celebrate, we bring him up, and we really just love on him, encourage him, and with him being a very young man, I, uh, I wanted one of his parents to stand up there. And so I, I called the mom up and stood right there with her son. I thought, this is cool. This is awesome. Dad was there. 
and I just completely overlooked it. I never thought about it. It never registered on my radar at all until later. When I had to be somewhere else where his grandparents, they also attended our church, where his grandparents were, they pulled me aside and they said, did you know what you did? That was the first time it ever registered on my radar. You're thinking, preacher, you're going to think between the ears. It took you this long to figure that out, huh? But when they began to share with me, I said, I am sorry, please know that it was just an honest oversight. It never registered. Just like I told you, it never registered. I'm sorry. But they said this. We want you to know we're not coming back to church. And whenever we see you, we'll not ever talk to you again. I said, really? I'm sorry to hear that. How did it affect you, preacher? It bothered me. I, I, I like for people to, to like me. I like that. It bothered me. But I did what I needed to do. I said to them, I'm sorry. Would you forgive me? And I hope that you'll reconsider what you just told me. You may say, well, how somebody reacted was a little bit um, over the top. That's how I would determine how that couple reacted. I thought it was a little bit over the top. But you know what? It doesn't determine how, how and what I need to do. I want you to listen to me. When it comes to this subject of forgiveness, we can reason it away and say, not that big a deal. I'm here to tell you tonight that what may separate you from where you are and experiencing incredible freedom is that forgiveness. Is that forgiveness. In your life, in your home, I don't know, maybe even in your church, might that be what needs to be done? Well, preacher, I hope they'll move first. No. It's time for you to man up on one up. You've heard the word of God. How is it that you will respond? Can I say it one more time? Go to the cross and look at what Jesus went through so that you and I could be forgiven, completely forgiven of our sin. Jesus did it for us. And if Jesus was willing to pay the penalty for our sin, which is great, incredibly great, surely, with His grace and help, we can forgive those around us. Would you pray with me? Tonight, let me just go ahead and tell you, our invitation is going to be a little bit different. You're, you're not going to sing tonight. Our ladies are going to play, maybe just as I am, or something real simple like that. But here's what I'm going to invite you to do. This could be very awkward. I pray it's not. What I pray is that tonight is going to be incredibly liberating. But it all depends on how you choose to respond. Forgiveness. Forgiveness. Tonight, you would say, Brian, I know, I know what needs to happen. 
perhaps for the last 25, 30 minutes, you've had it running through your head. What happened? What took place? Maybe you've replayed it over and over and over again. I'm here to tell you that tonight, you can begin that process of forgiveness. And again, you will realize the one that is set free is not the one that offended you, but it's you that will be set free. And I want to tell you, it's worth it to let it go. Tonight, believer, you need to forgive. Would you do so? Maybe that person that you need to forgive is in this room. This is going to take courage. I would put it out there as a challenge. Go to that person, even tonight, and say, I'm asking you to forgive me because I've held it against you for so long. All is forgiven. Let's move on. I'm going to challenge you to do that. Others of you, you need to seek forgiveness. Please don't excuse it. Please don't blow it off and say, well, once, the, once this moment's gone, everything will be fine, everything will go back to normal. No. Do you not realize that to live with that unforgiveness of doing, not doing what you know you need to do, that's disobedience to holy God. You are severely stunting your spiritual walk. Believer, why would you want to do that? You have been forgiven much. Go seek that forgiveness. You need to go to that person. Maybe they're here tonight and say, I need to tell you, I'm sorry. This is what I did. No excuses. I'm sorry. I'm challenging you to do that. Your freedom rests on it. Your freedom rests on it. But you know what? There's another group here tonight talking about this whole aspect of forgiveness. Your realization is this. It's very simple. When it comes to forgiveness, you would have to admit that there's never been a time that you've been forgiven by God. Oh, you know the story. You know about sin. But for some reason, until tonight, the connection has never been made that you need to seek forgiveness from holy God for your sin. But more than that, to also accept His incredible gift of eternal life that was made available by Jesus when he died on the cross. Tonight, sir, ma'am, whoever you may be, church member or not, doesn't matter, but you realize you need the forgiveness of the Lord Jesus. I'm inviting you tonight to place your trust in Christ. Why not you tell him? Why not you tell him? Can I help you? You pray this prayer from your heart to him. Lord Jesus, I admit I am a sinner. Tonight, I finally get it. My sin was a horrible offense against you. And tonight, I'm saying, I'm sorry. And tonight, I'm asking you, would you forgive me of my sin and come into my heart and be Savior of my life? Thank you, Jesus, for forgiving me. Now, May I go out and forgive others. Thank you. With heads bowed and eyes closed, I want to ask a very simple question to you this evening. Who in this room tonight would say, Brian, tonight I got it. Tonight 
I trusted Christ to be Savior of my life. If that is your decision tonight, I would love to know it. And what I'm going to ask you to do, first of all, is re really simple. Just hold your hand up for a moment. Let me see you. I, I will see that hand. I want to celebrate with you. Thank you. God bless you. Somebody else tonight. Tonight, I finally got it. I ask Christ to forgive me of my sins and for Him to be Savior of my life. Anybody else? Hold up that hand. Let me see it. You can put it right back down. Okay. Excellent. As we have this invitation time, believer, I, I challenged you on what to do. Maybe tonight, you, you just need to start off with this altar. It's open. Please use it. But if you trusted Christ tonight, I'm going to ask you to do something else. You step out from where you are. You come take your pastor by the hand and say, tonight, I trusted Christ. Preacher, what will others think about me? Who cares? The question to ask is, what will God say of me? Jesus said, if you've trusted Christ, it's time to let others know. In obedience to Him, and He will honor that decision. Would you come? Father, I pray in Jesus' name that in this invitation that you will have complete and total liberty. Lord, may there be nothing, may there be no one that would hinder the work that you want to do in this time together. I pray in Jesus' name.